Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to deal with the rising cost of inflation to pay off your debt or your mortgage, pretty much anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Well, with Yahoo Finance, you can get access to the news, data, and tools that you need in order to help you reach that financial freedom. And when it comes to your financial future, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, you've invested all that you can. And now you need to take those investments to the next level by using what every financial great uses. Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. On my last podcast, which I recorded on Wednesday, I pointed out that the market's failure to hold the rally in the aftermath of the rate hike and all of the bullish statements made by Powell about how great everything was and how strong the economy was. You know, we had a near 300 point rally that failed. The Dow surrendered the entire rally, closed on the lows of the day, not a huge decline. It was only about a 45-point decline. But what seems significant to me was the reversal, the fact that the markets could not hold on to those gains. To me, technically, that looked very weak. And I said on that podcast that I thought all systems were go for a stock market decline. And, of course, I had a lot of other uh, anecdotal evidence and things that I look at that have been leading me to believe that more downside was coming. In fact, I have never believed that we are in a correction, which everybody wants to talk about on television. It's a stock market correction because they don't consider it a bear market until you're down 20%. Well, every bear market, before you can get to be down 20%, you got to be down 10%. And so if this is a bear market, if we ultimately go down by more than 20%, then this is a bear market right now. It's only a correction if it doesn't turn into a bear market. But if it becomes a bear market, it's been a bear market the entire time. And I think we are in a bear market. Now, I don't believe it will be as bad a bear market as it could. I mean, this market could go down way over 50%. I am not expecting that because I do believe that the Federal Reserve is going to come in at some point 
and save the market, or at least try to save the market. But I think it's going to be a bear market before that happens, meaning the Dow will probably have to be below 20,000 before the Fed actually realizes uh, that it needs to be put on life support. But what happened yesterday, the Dow dropped by 724 points, huge decline. And then again today, we were down another 424 points, 1,150 point decline in two days, although the bigger decline percentage-wise happened on the NASDAQ, although the NASDAQ still hasn't made a new low for this move, although the Dow, I think, is a few hundred points away from the low, uh, the NASDAQ uh, is further from the low that it made. It got down to you know 6,600, but it did close today below 7,000, down 174 points, 2.43% on the day, but we still have a further way to go. Remember, the NASDAQ actually made a new record high, what, about a week and a half ago. Uh, the Dow and the S&P did not. That was another divergence that I picked out. Of course, uh, one of the leaders on the way down is Facebook, uh, down another 3.5% or 3.4% today. But the the stocks that really stand out to me are the banks. U.S. banks are getting killed. Companies like Bank of America down 4.5% today. I think it's down 8% in the last two days. But all of the financials getting clobbered across the board. In fact, look at Deutsche Bank. I mean, obviously, this is not an American bank. But something is going on over there at Deutsche Bank. Down another 3% today. Multi-year lows, 13.75. The chart looks horrific at Deutsche Bank. And you know where there's smoke, there's fire. I don't know if there's some kind of solvency problem over there at Deutsche Bank. Remember, I don't own any banks at all in any of my portfolios. I think this sector is in a lot of trouble, but maybe Deutsche Bank is a canary in the coal mine. I mean, is this going to be the new Lehman Brothers or Bear Stearns? I don't know what's going on over there, but the chart looks sick. And I'm glad I don't own it. I'm glad I don't own any of these stocks. You know, the stock market is having trouble. You know, even in the U.S., look at the oil stocks. ExxonMobil hit a 52-week low today. Oil closed just below $66 a barrel. I mentioned the strength of oil on my last podcast, up another $1.65 today, $65.95. I think this is the second highest close of the year. We only had one close above $66. I think $66.60 or so was the high. And that's the high going back, what, four or five years or something like that. But oil is very strong. Yet despite the strength in oil, uh, even the oil stocks can't go up in the U.S. So this is a very, very dangerous uh, market. You know, I keep listening to the pundits on CNBC. You know, these guys are out there, you know, reassuring everybody, don't worry, nothing has changed, right? The fundamentals are, you know, haven't changed. And in a way, they're right. The fundamentals haven't changed. They were lousy when the market was going up, and they're lousy now that the market's going down. I mean, in fact, if they've changed, the fundamentals have actually gotten worse. But the problem is these guys don't understand the fundamentals. They didn't realize that the only thing that was propping up the market was the fact that it was a bubble. And what's changed is the bubble's been pricked. It found a pin, and the air's been coming out, and we've just begun this process. Now, I don't even know if the reason the market is falling is because of the potential trade war. I mean, yesterday, the 700-point drop was blamed on Trump announcing tariffs against China. 
right? But this is something that we've all knew was going to happen. Trump has been talking about tariffs on China. In fact, even Larry Kudlow, who's going to be his new economic advisor, said he was in favor of tariffs that were targeted on China. I mean, so it's not like nobody knew this wasn't coming. And to me, the tariffs and the trade war are just the excuse to try to blame the decline on. The market was going to go down anyway. I mean, economic growth forecasts have been imploding. The Atlanta Fed is still at 1.8% uh, uh, on its forecast. And, you know, so are most of the other forecasts, people who are making forecasts, are, are, are way down from where they were six weeks ago. So there are a lot of problems uh, that, you know, the tariffs, yeah, they add to the problems, but the market would be going down anyway. I think even if Trump hadn't put these tariffs uh, or talked about these tariffs, the market would still be going down, whether it would be down as much or not. I mean, there's no way to know, but it's, it's a very convenient excuse because people can make believe, well, if this is the only reason the market's going down, well, it's much ado about nothing, right? It's just a bunch of noise. It's allowing the market to fall a slope of hope. And that is what happens in a bear market, right? People have reasons not to worry about it, right? To be complacent, to sit tight. But meanwhile, the technicals look horrible. The market keeps falling. And the tariffs, this this is more of a problem. This is not nothing like everybody wants to uh, pretend. This is a big deal. And again, the tariffs aren't on China. China doesn't pay these tariffs. The tariffs are on American consumers who buy Chinese products. And so what do the tariffs do? They make the products that Americans want to buy more expensive. Well, Americans are already broke. Remember, we had three months in a row of falling retail sales. Americans are loaded up with debt. They have lousy, low-paying jobs where they have no jobs at all. The last thing they need is for the cost of the stuff they're buying to become higher. Because then they either they're going to buy less, right? Because they if, if prices go up and you know you don't have an unlimited amount of money, then you buy less. So the higher consumer prices are going to slow an already slowing U.S. economy. And of course, you still have all this optimism about the stock market based on all the earnings growth that everybody assumes is going to be there. It's not going to be there. What if instead of growing, earnings actually fall? The economy is going to be weaker. Where are the higher earnings going to come from if the economy is weakening? And certainly if we're in a trade war, in fact, today, right, China is retaliating, supposedly. They put they announced some tariffs on American products, only a very small amount of tariffs in proportion to what we're doing. A lot of people were saying, oh, you see, it's no big deal. You know, China's afraid to fight back. I mean, they're not afraid to fight back. In fact, one of the things that was said today by a Chinese official, and the markets kind of shrugged it off, was that maybe the Chinese will consider not buying treasuries as a retaliatory move in the trade war. Now, it's not just that they'll not buy, but that they might sell, right? Now, this this is a huge threat. This is actually a real threat. See, when you impose tariffs, you're basically pointing the gun at yourself, right? When America imposes tariffs, the tariffs are paid by the Americans. And so if the Chinese retaliated with tariffs of their own, they would be shooting their own citizen, right? They would be shooting us, but if they retaliate by dumping U.S. treasuries, right, those are, that's the heavy artillery. And that's aimed squarely at America because Americans suffer if the Chinese sell treasuries. Why do we suffer? Because when they sell treasuries, yields go up, right? And when they sell treasuries, they sell dollars. So the dollar goes down. And so consumer prices go up. That is the nuclear bomb 
that they can blow off. Now, you know, what is the Fed going to do? Oh, we'll diffuse it. Don't worry. We'll do another round of quantitative easing so we can buy all the treasuries that the Chinese want to unload. Yeah, what a present that would be for the Chinese if they can get out of jail. You know, I hear these commentators saying that, oh, the Chinese, they would never do this because it would hurt themselves. Right? They would destroy the value of the treasuries they own. They would hurt the value of the dollar. Yeah. But what about America? Americans would suffer a lot more if the dollar tanked and the treasury market imploded than the Chinese. You know, the best thing the Chinese can do, even if they weren't in the trade war, the best thing they can do is cut their losses on vendor financing the American consumer. I mean, the sooner the Chinese can get rid of their treasuries and get rid of their dollars, the better. And in fact, if the trade war ends up being a catalyst, right, for the China to finally to do the right thing, maybe by accident, I mean, they should erect a statue of Donald Trump in Tiananmen Square. I mean, he's their hero because the Chinese are going to save a fortune by getting rid of their, their treasuries and their dollars. And you know what they could do with all the dollars they get by dumping their treasuries? They can buy gold. You know, I mean, that's the smart thing. I mean, I hear these people say, well, what else are they going to do if they, dealt, if they sell their treasuries? I mean, buy gold. Why would they want treasuries? What, so they can get 2 to 3% return and watch the value of the dollar implode? Why, what, what's so valuable about our treasuries? I mean, let them buy gold. I mean, now gold prices were up again today. Another 18, 19 bucks could not get above 1350. All right. That was about the high. I don't know if we actually touched 1350. Maybe we did. Um, I think we went out around 1347, 1348, something like that. Um, a lot of resistance at 1350. I've been talking about that, but we are up almost 40 bucks since the day before the Fed hiked rates. Now, what did I say was going to happen if the Fed hiked rates? I said the price of gold was going to go up because everybody had already sold gold, right, on anticipation of the rate hikes. You, you sell the rumor, you buy the fact. Now, I said if the Fed didn't raise rates, gold would have gone ballistic, but they did raise rates, and so it just went up a little bit. We're at resistance of 1350, but we could explode at any minute. I mean, we were, we were right below 1350 almost the entire day, right? There's a wall of resistance at 1350. But can you imagine all the buy stops that are probably hanging out above 1350, 1360 uh, that are just waiting to get hit? You know, nobody assumes that the price of gold is going to break out because everybody assumes there's nothing to worry about. Everything is fine. The economy is great. There's no inflation. The Fed's going to keep raising rates. So why would anybody want to buy gold? So nobody believes it's going to break out. In fact, probably no other place do you get a better you know, feeling of that sentiment than looking at the gold stocks themselves. I mean, the gold stocks were all up today. Uh, they were up maybe as a group just under 3%, uh, but not that big a move considering where the price of gold is. I mean, gold is still is up nicely on the year. All the gold stocks are down. In fact, gold is probably within 20 bucks of the high that it made last year. And in order for gold stocks to get back to where they were at last year's high, they got to rally about 40% from here. I mean, that's how much they sold off. But here's how the trading has been in the gold stocks. And I know this because, you know, we manage a gold fund. I own a lot of gold stocks myself. So I watch the way they trade. And whenever gold prices are falling and they get down near support, they sell the gold stocks off hard. Because everybody assumes, well, the support is going to break and gold's going to collapse, right? Nobody believes the support's going to hold. So they want to front run that and they just start dumping their gold stocks. But then the support holds. 
But then when we get up to resistance, nobody wants to bet on a breakout because everybody assumes gold's never going to break out, that the resistance is going to hold. And so the gold stocks don't really get bid up. But consequently, what you have is a situation where when gold breaks out, and it will break out, and it may do it on Monday, and if it doesn't do it on Monday, it's going to do it eventually. But when the price of gold breaks out, the price of gold stocks are going to have to explode. I mean, they have so much to catching up to do. In fact, go look at a chart. I mean, don't even take my word for it. Take a look at a chart and see where we are. I mean, we get above 1400 There's just an air pocket in the chart. There is nothing up there. Remember when the price of gold collapsed, you know, and this was uh, back 2012, late 2012, early 2013. I think we had a couple of days where gold was down like 200 bucks a day. I mean, it just the bottom just dropped out of the market. Well, I think the same thing is going to happen in reverse on the way up. I mean, don't think gold can go up 200 bucks in a day. It can't. I mean, you know, I mean, if gold goes up 50 bucks on Monday and it gets above 1400, what's to stop it from going to 1500 or 1600? Nothing, because all the selling is going to be gone. Because all the sellers are here around 1350, 1360, 1370. I don't think there's going to be any sellers left if we're above 1400. There's just going to be buyers. Momentum buyers are going to come in. The, the hedge fund money is going to come in. Money from everywhere. Maybe the money from the Chinese. Maybe the Chinese are going to do the right thing. Maybe they will dump some treasuries and put the money into gold. Right? This could happen. You know, and then all of a sudden investors want to buy. They buy these ETFs. Well, now the ETFs have got to buy the gold. I mean, so the price can go up very, very quickly. But as quick as the price can go up for gold bullion, imagine what's going to happen with gold mining stocks. I mean, they have so much to go to catch up. I mean, these things just go ballistic. They could go up 20, 30% in one day. I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. You know, because there, there is nobody buying these stocks on anticipation of a breakout on the price of gold. So once gold breaks out, nobody is prepared for it. In fact, what I think might happen, let's say gold is up really big on Sunday night. Something happens, right? And, you know, the bond, maybe the bond market tanks, right? Maybe China does something. I don't know. But something happens and gold goes up 50 bucks. You know what's probably going to happen? I bet all these big brokerage firms, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan, they'll put buy recommendations on these gold stocks. I mean, they don't have buy recommendations on any of them now, but they'll put buy recommendations and then these things will gap up, you know, 20%, 30%, but they take credit. See, they can put a buy on it before the open and they get to pretend that they put the buy on it at the price of the previous day's close as long as they go to a buy before the open, which of course, you know, nobody could actually buy that price because then it gaps up. But that could happen. All of a sudden, everybody, right, all these penguins come out and they all want to do the same thing and they all want to put buys on it. Now, if it doesn't happen on Monday, it's going to happen. I mean, it's only a question of time. I mean, you've got all this compression. Uh, you know, gold was basically in a you know four or $5 range the entire day. It ran up on the open and just stayed there all day long, right? People buying it and the selling was still there. The selling was still there. In fact, the gold stocks actually sold off on the close. They closed closer to their lows of the day or where they've been trading for most of the last several hours, even though they had solid gains because they kind of sold off with the overall market. And by the way, today, again, this is how weak the stock market is. The Dow was up close to 200 points, probably in the, the second to last hour of trading, in, in the two to three o'clock hour. I mean, the market tried to rally. When the market tries to rally and it can't, and then it gets clobbered and it closes on the lows, that is a horrible market. That is a sick market, right? The, the amazing thing is you got all these pundits that are looking at how sick the market is, and none of them are worried. Everybody is like, oh, nothing to worry about. This is all 
buy the dip. Everything looks great. The fundamentals are still great. You know, the technicals are awful. I mean, if you're a technician, at least you got to admit that. I mean, the technicals, if you thought the technicals were good before. In fact, Donald Trump, and I'm going to get to Trump, but he had this press conference today. But at the end of the press conference, he was asked about the stock market. That was the only question he took. And he answered, he go, oh, the stock market's going to be great. Right. He said the stock market was on a different planet before I was elected president. Right? Meaning that, you know, it's gone up so much. Now it's it's on a different planet than it was before. Yeah. But you know what? It's about to come crashing back down to earth. Maybe Trump doesn't understand that. Uh, but that's exactly what's going to happen. In fact, when he said that the stock market was up. Right. And it had it had a big drop uh, later in the in the day. But let me get to that. That Trump press conference. This is, you know, the politics of what's going on because Trump had a press conference to sign this monstrosity of a of a spending bill, right? This omnibus spending bill that added massively to the debt, seventy billion more in uh, annual military spending, uh, sixty billion more in annual welfare spending, all kinds of pork barrel legislation in this monstrosity that never should have been passed by the Republicans in the House and Senate, never should have been sent to the president's desk, and never should have been signed by the president. And of course, the president tried to have his cake and eat it too politically because he signed it but said he didn't want to. He said that you know he felt badly about signing this massive bill that no one's read, that has so much bad stuff in it. So he kind of even threw Congress under the bus, even some of the Republicans, even though it's his bus. I mean, he knew this bill was coming. He knew all this crap was in it. He could have said something about it. He could have said, I will never sign a bill like that. But he made it believe that he was fine with it and he was going to sign it. And then last minute to try to throw some meat to his base, to the maybe the teach party, he tried to pretend that he was holding his nose and signing it anyway, and that he'll never sign a bill like this again, which of course is a lie because he's going to sign the next one he gets, which is going to be exactly like that one. But this whole thing is a ruse. See, he tried to pretend that this was a national security threat, that he really didn't want to sign this massive budget-busting, ominous spending bill. But he had no choice because out of national security that it was the only way we can get this extra spending on the military. As if, you know, there's a national security threat. Like if he had vetoed this bill, we were going to get invaded by some other country and we weren't going to have the resources to defend ourselves. This is complete sheer nonsense. First of all, we already spend too much money on the military and we could reorganize the way we spend that money. If we really want to beef up some of our forces, we don't need new money. We just need to better spend budget the money that we already have. The military industrial complex and defense department has plenty of money. It doesn't need any more. We certainly don't need to go massively into debt to spend more money on the military. We certainly don't need to compromise with the Democrats and to sign on to a lot more welfare spending just to get their support so that we can have more spending on the military. All Trump had to do was veto this bill. In fact, he should have told Congress, don't even bother passing it because I'm going to veto it. I mean, it is complete hypocrisy for him to stand there and sign it and saying that he had a gun to his head and he had no choice. He put the gun to his head himself and he didn't have to pull the trigger. This is all show. This is all politics. This is Donald Trump being a politician, not being a statesman. This is the deepest the swamp has ever been because Donald Trump is there with uh, you know, a hose filling it up with water. This is all political show and gamesmanship. He is making government bigger. He is spending more on welfare. He's spending more on the military. 
No reason other than just to perpetuate this. You know, when Trump signed that monstrosity of a omnibus spending bill, he said he was signing it to keep Americans safe. You know, if he really wanted to keep Americans safe, he would have vetoed that bill, right? Because what is threatening Americans is not the enemies from abroad. I mean, we can handle them. The, the threat to America is domestic. Right? It's, it's all the government. It's the increase in the size of government. It's the increase in the debt being accumulated. And so by signing this bill, Donald Trump increased the threat that government and debt pose to Americans. And so by signing the bill, he made Americans less safe, not more safe. And unfortunately, if Donald Trump was, uh, was a statesman, he could have vetoed that. He could have done something. He could have made a stand. Instead, he chose the easy political way out. He, he, he chose the expedient way out, the way every president has done before him. So no different. But what you need to do is keep your portfolio safe from government, from Trump, from Congress, from the Federal Reserve, from Powell. That's what's in danger now. What Trump is doing by signing these bills and guaranteeing more government and more debt, they just ensure the destruction of the dollar and any portfolio that is dollar denominated. So what you got to do, that's what I said, is build a portfolio of non-dollar assets. I am trying to keep my clients safe, right? The president is not keeping Americans safe, but I'm trying to keep my clients' retirement dreams alive, right? I'm trying to keep their purchasing power safe by getting out of an asset, the U.S. dollar, that I know is completely unsafe because of the policies, not only of this president and this Congress, but of all prior presidents and, and prior Congresses that have done exactly what Trump just did, right? Sign another huge increase in government spending and pretending, well, they had no choice, they had to do it. And, and it's all this kicking the can down the road, right? Um, just piling more and more debt on, refusing to accept responsibility. The day of reckoning is coming, and that day of reckoning is now going to come a lot sooner than people think. And the problem is, there is going to be a price to pay at the polls because if you want big government, if you want to vote for somebody who's going to massively run up the deficit and spend more money, we've got the Democratic Party for that. I mean, what's the purpose of the Republican Party? Nothing. Because at least the Democrats promise you something for nothing, right? The Republicans are out there saying we should have smaller government, but they give you bigger government. At least the Democrats say they're going to give you bigger government and then they deliver on their promise, right? So the Republicans are going to pay the price in November. I've been saying this all along. They're going to lose big time. They're going to lose Congress. And what did I say is going to happen? We're going to be in a recession. Maybe they'll blame it on the tariffs or the trade war. Who knows? But what type of spending bill is a Democratic Congress going to pass for Trump to sign? I mean, if you think he's signing some big budget-busting uh, Keynesian stimulus-type uh, a legislation now, where do you see the legislation the Democratic Congress uh, puts on his desk to sign? And you know what? He's going to sign that too, right? He's going to sign anything that they send him because he's going to be afraid to oppose it because he doesn't want to be against the stimulus when the economy is in recession, right? So there's no way that he's going to veto anything the Democrats send him to sign because if he vetoes it, when the economy gets worse, they're going to blame it all on him. So he's going to have no choice but to sign it He's already started the precedent. So we've got this political uh, uh, crisis coming. We've got this economic crisis coming. It's amazing. Again, China, everybody's out there saying, oh, you know, 
China would never sell the dollar. They would never sell treasuries because it would hurt themselves, right? What about the damage it does to the United States? I mean, they are our biggest creditor, right? They're our biggest lender. I mean, isn't it going to be a problem? They're also our biggest supplier of stuff that we don't have to pay for. I keep hearing these people saying, oh, well, we're China's biggest customer, so they, they can't afford to irritate us. We're their deadbeat customer. We're the customer who can't afford to pay. We're the customer that they have to keep lending us money. We're like, we're like wimpy, right? You know, they keep selling us hamburgers that we don't pay for today. We promise to pay for them in the future. The best thing that China can do to us is to refuse to lend us any more money to buy their stuff that we're never going to pay them for. Right? This is the same stuff. Companies were doing this during the dot-com bubble. You know, you had Cisco Systems or Nortel or Lucent. A lot of these companies were lending money to a bunch of dot-com companies to buy all their equipment. And then what happened? All these companies went bankrupt and they had to write down all these sales. I mean, the same thing is going to happen to China. Anybody else who's been lending Americans money to buy more stuff in case they haven't noticed, we're broke and we have no chance of paying it back. So we're all just completely complacent, talking about, you know, Nero fiddling while Rome burns or, you know, whistling past the graveyard. I mean, this is it. I mean, you've got all of these warning signs out there that nobody is worried about. I mean, I know no one's worried about it because we haven't had a breakout in the price of gold yet. Gold is still below 1350. Gold stocks are still super cheap. Right. Nobody is worried. No one's worried that inflation is going to uh, break out. No one's worried that the dollar is breaking down. In fact, I haven't even mentioned the dollar today. Dollar index down again, down 0.42, 89.43. We closed below 89.50, not the lowest close of the year, but a very weak close for the dollar. More important, look at the dollar against the Japanese yen. Uh, the dollar is getting clobbered against the yen. That is a bad risk-off sign when people are piling into the yen. So you've got strength in the yen. You've got incredible weakness in the financials. You've actually got weakness now in the tech sector. We'll see what happens with um, this IPO that came out today. We had one tech IPO, Dropbox Incorporated, and they priced the thing at 21. It ran up to 31.60 in her day. Then it closed on the low of the day. You know, still up about 35%, 28.48. Let's see how much longer this thing can stay low above its IPO price. I mean, I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to take a profit when everything else is getting killed, why you wouldn't want to get out of this if you were lucky enough to get some of the shares on the IPO. But with the tech stocks going down, with the financials going down, I mean, those are the pillars of the market. I mean, how many stocks are propping up the NASDAQ? I mean, you've got the FANG stocks and Apple. I mean, these things could just implode. So you've got all this technical weakness. You've got whatever this bullish fundamental nonsense story was about how all this growth is going to happen is evaporating because the growth's not there. The earnings aren't going to be there. You've got everybody loaded up long. You've got this trade war that America can't win, right, and that we will, in fact, lose. People still don't know. America is taking the world for a ride. We're on a gravy train when it comes to trade. We have about an $800 billion a year deficit. Trump thinks somehow we're getting screwed. It's our trading partners that are getting screwed out of $800 billion a year worth of stuff that we don't pay for. Yes, in the long run, this is terrible because this is why we're squandering our wealth. We have gone from the world's wealthiest creditor nation to the biggest debtor nation because of annual trade deficits where we have continuously sold off our assets to consume. But, you know, a lot of those assets we sold are just bonds. 
that ultimately we're going to screw people on by inflating away the value of the dollar, which is why the Chinese would be smart to get rid of their dollars in their treasuries now before we screw them uh, you know, with inflation or actually default, which is something that we could do as well. So in the long run, yeah, these trade deficits have been a big problem and there will be a price to pay. There will be a day of reckoning. But in the short run, in the here and now, these, we're, we're, this, is, this is great for Americans. We get to have a standard of living that's much higher than the one that we're entitled to, that we deserve based on our productivity. We get much lower prices. We have a greater supply of consumer goods to choose from. We get to tap into all this foreign capital. So we have lower mortgage rates. Americans can borrow money cheaper to buy their houses because of these trade deficits. And then they, have, they can buy more with their paychecks. All this is going to come to an end when the trade deficits go away. Right. That's the one thing that Trump doesn't seem to understand, that our trading partners have been getting the short end of the stick. So we lose any trade war. They win. Right. If trade went to a complete stop, let's say there was no more trade. Right. Who would be the biggest loser? America. What would we buy? What would what would people do with their paychecks? Nothing. We would have all of our money and none of the products. Right. The countries that have trade surpluses in the short run would be better off. Because they would have more stuff for their own citizens to buy, right? So right now, our trading partners, you know, have a fantasy because they think they're accumulating all these assets. And, you know, one of the things Trump is actually talking about with China is putting sanctions on the Chinese to limit what they can invest in, trying to tell them, hey, you can't use your dollars uh, to buy certain types of investments in the United States, certain types of assets. Like what? Like the only thing they can do with their dollars is buy treasuries? I mean, if we start limiting... What the Chinese can do with their dollars, hey, maybe a light bulb goes off in their head and they say, what the hell do we want these dollars for anyway? I mean, the only thing we could buy is treasuries. What could we buy with that? More treasuries? What are we going to do when we get interest in our treasuries? Buy even more treasuries? I mean, we are talking about or talk about threatening to bite the hand that feeds you, right? I mean, and China does a lot more than just feed us. So we are playing with fire. Trump has no idea. His advisors have no idea what they're playing with. So they'll see. This could be a big weekend, right? Another big sell-off on a Friday. You know, I started earlier in the year. I was out there saying this reminds me of 1987. I was the only person saying that. Now there are a lot of other people I'm reading now from even big Wall Street firms are saying, wait a minute, things are very ominous, you know, 1987, right? Because what happened in 87? You had a weak dollar. You had rising trade deficits. The stock market kept going up anyway, ignored rising interest rates, and eventually we had a crash. Well, same things are happening now, except the problems are bigger, and maybe the crash is going to come sooner. We're not going to make it all the way till September. In fact, it started early because 1987 started off a lot stronger than, than 2018. So we're having all these problems. They're just developing earlier in the year. We had the big rally last year in 2017 where we were up every single month of the year never happened in the history of the stock market massive bullishness no real reason no fundamentals just pie in the sky optimism mania and the the, the lemmings who piled into the market still don't understand that they bought into a mania they still don't understand that the bubbles popped they have no idea that the air is coming out they're still convinced it's a correction, so there's nothing to worry about. So nobody is going to sell until it's a bear market. Now, of course, once it is a bear market, a lot of people will say, okay, well, no point in selling now because the bear market is over. But there are a lot of people who are going to say, well, stock market's down 20%. Well, maybe now it's time to sell. At that point, though, as I said, the Fed could come in. The Fed could come in and call off the rate hikes if it hasn't already done it. 
The Fed could cut rates. The Fed could launch QE4, which it's going to do eventually anyway. The question is, when are they going to do it? Are they going to do it before or after the midterm elections? It depends on when these guys realize just how much trouble they're in, how much trouble the market's in, how much trouble the economy's in. And if gold hasn't already broken out by then, then that is going to be the catalyst that's going to cause it to break out. But personally, I think it's going to already break out. I don't think it's going to be that easy. I think by the time the Fed announces QE4, gold could already be at 2000 Maybe it'll be higher. You're not going to get the chance to buy gold this cheap once the Fed announces QE4. You're going to have to pay through the nose to buy it. But of course, it's going to go a lot higher. But it's going to climb that wall of worry because it's going to be so high that a lot of people who don't own it are going to be afraid to buy it because they're going to be afraid it's going to fall. But it's going to keep on going up and up and up. And we've barely seen the beginning of that. And as I said earlier in this podcast, the gold stocks right now are the way to play it because you've got so much upside baked into these things. I mean, these things are like coiled springs, right? And when when all of a sudden we break through and there's no more resistance and all the people who have been assuming, well, gold's going to crash because the Fed is raising rates and everything is great. And all of a sudden, all this institutional money, none of the hedge funds are in gold. None of the pension funds are in gold. Nobody owns it except me. Maybe a few other people, you know, but I own it. My clients own it. I mean, it's been a lonely group, right? But once this thing turns, it's going to be quick. And I said it at the end of Wednesday's podcast. I'll say it again today. Get in on this. Don't wait. I mean, obviously, you know, you can't, you can't call up your Euro-Pacific Capital broker until Monday morning uh, to, to buy, but just buy, right? Add to your account. Get some money. If you're speculative in particular, right, gold stocks are going to be the way to go. I can't imagine more bang for your buck than getting into these gold stocks right now just on the verge of a breakout in the price of gold. These things are still super cheap. But the commodity stocks with oil, I mean, imagine how much higher oil is going to be when the market's not tanking anymore, when people aren't so worried. Oil prices are still rising despite the fact that the market is tanking, right? That shows you the underlying strength in that market. And a lot of it is being driven by the weakness in the dollar. And the dollar is only going to get weaker, which is going to benefit foreign stocks. It's going to benefit emerging markets. And when the Fed ultimately has to come to the rescue of the U.S. stock market, the U.S. stock market may not rise much. It might stop falling. But where the gains are going to be are overseas, all these international stocks. That's why I want to own them. That's why I don't want to take a chance. And I'm not worried if they go down a little bit while I own them because I understand the end game. I understand what the Fed is going to do and what that is going to do to the assets that I've been buying. Oh, I wanted to mention, I forgot, today is my birthday. I'm 55 years old today. And, you know, earlier today, I was thinking, hey, maybe maybe I'll get a birthday present with my gold stocks. Maybe the price of gold will break out today for Peter Schiff's birthday. Didn't happen. Uh, but who knows? Maybe I'll get a belated birthday present on Monday morning. So let's wait and see. And if it does break out, I probably will be doing another podcast to follow up on this one. So have a great weekend, everybody. Mm-hmm.